There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Howdy folks, Mike of Max Mike Movies here. You might remember that last week we started our huge 200th episode of our podcast with The Batman. We started in 1943 and we managed to get up to about 1966 or so. Uh, we ran out of time for one of our regular length shows, so we've cut this gigantic episode into four parts. This is part two. The lads, of which I am one, had just started to talk about a very serious time in the Batman's history. Let's listen in. The facts. But uh, now we're going to go to something much more yeah. serious. Max, where do we oh, yeah. go next? Okay, now this, I will admit, there, this one is going to be fairly short. There's not a lot of there there. But of course, one of Batman's, oddly enough, longest-running appearances was in an an the animated series The Super Friends. <laughs> Plus two, count them, two major appearances with another, with another group of crime fighters, <laughs> another dark, gritty collection <laughs> of, of, uh, of, di of, of dynamic uh, solver of mysteries, Scooby-Doo and the gang. Yes, there are not one but two. One called Scooby-Doo Meets Batman. Real good title. A lot of work went into that. <laughs> and the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair. <laughs> which, in which, by the way, just as a minor, the Joker is voiced by none other than F Troop's Larry Storch. Uh, well, yeah, and do you know who did Robin? Uh, yes, I do. We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, there were. For, I'm going with the Super Friends first because there was a lot more of that. That ran from in one form or another from 1973 to 1986. <laughs> Yeah, 13 years. And there was the Super Friends, and there was the all-new Super Friends Hour, Challenge of the Super Friends, uh, uh, World's Greatest Super Friends, then just Super Friends, The Best of the Super Friends, Super Friends the Legendary Superpower Show, and the Superpowers Team Galactic Guardians. Super Friends Greatest Hits. Yeah, Super <laughs> Friends Go to Hawaii. The Super <laughs> Friends were like a very watered-down version of the Justice League. Yeah. Most of the uh, Ted Knight did a lot of voices in it. Uh, yeah, he did. He, he was sort of the narrator. Of, Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, uh, the Batman in, in all of these and in Scooby Doo was voiced by an actor named Olan Soul, who most people do not. You will probably not remember, except as one other major part. This, by the way, the voice of Batman and this other part are the main things that are listed on his IMDb page in Star Trek. Day of the Dove, he played the Klingon leader Kang. Oh. Yes. Please note, as Max will later point out, that the actor in question was, in fact, Michael Ansaro, who played Kang. No letters, please. And if you see him without the makeup, you'll go, oh yeah, that guy. He is one of those guys like Robbie Benson, who they sort of have, oh, let's see, this week you're, you're playing a Mexican, now you're a Native American, <laughs> now you're Italian. He, had, he was sort of general ethnic looking. And Robin was voiced by none other than Casey Kasem, <laughs> who I realize a lot of people don't remember anymore, but he was a fairly well-known disc jockey. And he Shaggy. Was also a little, uh, he was, it was a little awkward doing Scooby-Doo because he was also the voice of Shaggy and the voice of Alex and Josie and the Pussycats and a bunch of others. He was, yeah. he was a major voice actor. Yeah. Uh there's not a lot to say about Batman in the Super Friends. He is the most generic 
you'll see him. Like he's, it's like the Batman of the serials. Mm. Most of the characters, in, most of the superheroes in Super Friends, did not have very distinct personalities. <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman was the girl, and I mean the girl. Yeah. Of the main character, she was the only one. She was the only female. Aquaman, he had, I'll call my fishy friends. Yeah, trying desperately to show that Aquaman on land was useful. <laughs> you know, Superman was the big blue boy scout. Batman was like Superman in a different costume. Robin's job was mostly to go, gosh, you're right, Batman. Mm. That was most of them. Later, they tried to mix it up a little. In the later seasons, they started adding additional characters. When someone pointed out, dude, we're coming up in the late 70s. You might want to have somebody who isn't snowy white. <clears throat> so they added Black Lightning, who at one point was Black Vulcan. Yeah. But they realized, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, Samurai and Apache Chief. <laughs> because we need an Asian guy and a Native American. And then the next year they added El Dorado. None oh, of these characters that. ever made it, were from the comic books or made it into the comic books, except... Black Lightning did. Yeah. Although he, he sort of changed his incarnation. He was also the inspiration for a character called Static Shock, or Static. Mm. Who actually, I wish we were talking about that, because that was a really interesting show. Anyway. I just have one thing to say about uh, Samurai. Yeah? Domo Nihayaku! <laughs> yeah. They said, here, find me a phrase in Japanese. That was well, here's, it. Here's the problem. I asked somebody, there was a friend of mine who was Japanese. She was born, raised in Japan. She's not Japanese anymore? You said she was Japanese. Well, I haven't talked to her in like 20-something years. Ah, okay. I assume she's still Japanese. (laughs) That seems to be the way things go. Um, And I asked her once, oh, what what does this phrase mean in in Japanese? Domo ni haiku. And she just sort of looked at me, and then she started to giggle, and she said, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it was just gibberish. I think Apache Chief said something in, in, I don't think it was Apache. I think it was Cherokee. but I I thought it was just, I get real big, because that's all I ever see him do, is get real big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will have to say, I don't know about you, Max, I watched the heck out of the Super Friends. Oh, so did I. <laughs> and, of course, they had their sidekicks, because you have to have the, <laughs> the, the young ones to bring in the kids. And they started out, for some reason, with Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Um, excuse me. It was, in fact, Wendy, Marvin, oh. and Wonder Dog. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, Wonder Dog. None of these people, for some reason, Wonder Dog wore a cape. His only superpower was he talked like Scooby-Doo. For some reason, all dogs add R's to the beginning of everything. Sure. Yeah, Wendy and Marvin had no superpowers. No. No sense of survival. No common <laughs> sense. They lasted about two or three seasons. Then they were replaced, of course, by Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins, and their pet monkey, Gleek. <laughs> these guys at least had superpowers. They just didn't use them for anything. They'd use them, but... So he could turn into things that were based on water. And, yes, she, and could, she could turn into animals or birds or insects. She could turn into any living thing. Yeah. And all he ever did was turn into, like, you know, a bucket of water. She'd turn into a bird. <laughs> and then she'd carry him and dump him on the villain, and that wouldn't stop him. And, oh, no, we'd best call the Super Friends, you know, the actual stars of this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Batman in this is particularly bland. He really is. He has no... Per- he doesn't need to be Batman. He could just be, you know, pointy ear guy. Yeah, he's it, there's there's literally 
none of Batman's history is here at all. I think that the Joker shows up occasionally. His voice actor is not very good. Um, In the early parts of the Super Friends, there are no supervillains. No. They're usually misunderstood aliens or people with good intentions who do wrong things. Or it's an environmental crisis or something, and they deal with it. Later, when they get to, like, challenge of the Super Friends, you end up with the Legion of Doom. Right, sort of. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I have to say, I thought the Legion of Doom looked cool. Hall of Doom, which looked basically like Darth Vader's helmet, looked pretty cool. They just didn't do anything with it. Well, so if I want to touch on something here, because we talked about the fact that the movies had to self-impose a system of ratings to keep basically the government from stepping in and make, telling you what you could and what you couldn't do in movies. And obviously, comics had to do the same thing, as you pointed out, through the, the trials with Dr. Frederick Wortham and stuff. TV was going through a same sort of thing at this point. There was a group called Action for Children's Television, which I hated then and I hate now because they made all my favorite shows boring. And this is an example of that. So when you said originally it was just about misunderstood aliens and climate issues and stuff like that, that's why. Uh. There was a lot of stink about violence on shows like perfectly innocent shows like Speed Racer, where only a few people died every episode. So I really don't (laughs) Only a few. Um, and here's the thing. I, if you can remember back as a kid, Max, yeah. did that violence bother you in any way or make you go, hey, oh. I should go out and hit somebody? I don't believe so. I never said, hey, let, I, you know, it'd be really cool to go out and hit somebody with a two by four. Yeah. So no, I, in fact, when the, when the violence was more like, oh, you see, oh, wow, that guy looks hurt. You shouldn't hit somebody in the head. Yeah. I mean, like, even some of the stuff that was on the Flintstones, like, you know, hitting Barney over the head with stuff. Yeah. They didn't even want that. Like, and that's why the Super Friends, the fights during the Super Friends are really dull. Oh, and yeah. And the stakes are really low. <laughs> yeah, nope. I don't think anybody ever punches anyone. No. There's occasionally somebody gets picked up and thrown. Wonder Woman wraps them up in her bondage rope. Uh, <laughs> hey, and, you want to talk about what's his name? The guy who created Wonder Woman? You I know, would, the, except this is all about Batman. Yeah, true. Oh, as interesting as it is, it is. <laughs> hey, folks, take a look. Go looking for yeah, the sure. uh, yeah, because that was that was interesting. <laughs> that guy's got a story. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. This, as I say, this is a really dull version of Batman. Honestly, he fit right in with Scooby Doo. Yeah. He was just like it was like, oh look, it's Batman and Robin. And just like oh look, it's the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh look, <laughs> it's like it's, it's the Three Stooges. Oh look, it's the Adams Family. It's, yeah. Okay. It's it is Batman in name only. Yeah, um, I would say you get more of Batman from the serials than you do from this show. I I will say one thing. I remember much later. This must have been in the in one of the eighties incarnations. You know, like the the legendary superpowers or or whatever the world's greatest. They did an episode where they're dealing with f- people's fears. Mm. And Batman ends up, or yeah, Batman ends up in Crime Alley, and they talk about that's where his parents died. Oh, so they do bring that in. Yeah, they don't know what to do with it because they don't say they were shot, or they don't say how they died. It's apparently, maybe they just both succumbed to some terrible disease while walking through this alley. <laughs> but they they almost made an effort, and of course, then the show disappeared. 
Oh, here's something we should have touched on in the 1966 Batman. I don't think anywhere in the show, and certainly not in the movie, do they bring up the origin no, of Batman. I, I don't believe they ever do. We have no idea that it... We don't know what happened to his parents. No. Uh, I, I remember as a kid thinking, are like Alfred and Aunt Harriet his parents? Is that it? There's, yeah, there's nothing. They're never mentioned at all. Yeah, Dick Grayson has an aunt. Like, he's yeah. got family. He's just his youthful ward for reasons that we don't know. And it's, to the best of my knowledge, yeah. Aunt, Harri Aunt Harriet exists only in the show. She was not I a think comical that's character. Right. I think that's right. Um, I, but this one, you know, if you think that a lot of people, as I said, who love Batman hate the 66 Batman because they think it doesn't represent Batman. I think this represents Batman even less. Yeah. Because there's, there's no flavor to him this at all. This could have been any character. You really you could have used anyone. He's got a Batmobile. Honestly, it looks like it couldn't corner if you if you paid it to. It's just yeah, this big lumpy yeah, thing. He has a bat plane that honestly looks like a big child picked it up and threw it like a glider. Well, you know what it, it looks like. Hmm? It looks like it's meant to be made into a toy. Oh, yeah. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be fair, this is the time when you started getting superhero toys. So this company called Mego started somehow got the licenses for everybody. And the weird thing is, is that they would put out Batman and Robin right next to Spider-Man and the Hulk. So you could have anybody you wanted as this pretty much cookie cutter yeah. figure with its, you know, correct coloring and its correct outfit. And I don't know about you. I had those. I love the Batman yep. and Robin figures. And yeah, I, I wanted the Batman the detection ones. van, uh, the Batman TV license detector. Van. <laughs> Um, the Ministry of Ausinge. Yeah, no, I, I I think I had a Spider-Man, although I'd never read a Spider-Man comic. Um, they were just fun. They were action figures. This is when you got action. You know, G.I. Joe started that whole thing. But these were things you, as a kid, you could just go out and have them climb trees and stuff. It was a they lot of fun. They weren't dolls. They were action figures. <laughs> and you'd actually, I don't know about you, but I never took their clothes off. Like, I didn't, I didn't like, either. that wasn't I didn't the thing. You, I don't know if you could on some of them. Oh, yeah, you could. They were cloth. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, often with dolls, you change their outfits and stuff. And I know some right. people probably put Batman's outfit on the Hulk because, <laughs> but whatever. Um, Bat Hulk. Uh, sure. But otherwise, but yeah, so otherwise, yeah. I think we can say goodbye to this one because it's really it's not that interesting. But I watched yep. it every Saturday. <laughs> yep, yep. So did I. And I I you know, after the '66 Batman, we did not get a live-action Batman for over 20 years. Yeah, until 1989. The facts. 1989. We're going to count down the top <laughs> movies. Uh, no, no, Casey Kasem was not involved in this. So 1989, the interesting thing about this, so I was working at a comic book store when this was happening, and the news got out that they were doing a live-action Batman film. And at that point, Tim Burton was not so big a deal. Um, he had done, only had done was Beetlejuice. And I think Edward Scissorhands? No, maybe not. Um, I, I thought maybe, that was I later. can't remember. But yeah. it's like it's not, he was not this household name that he would become for good or for evil, take your pick. <laughs> and he was taking on Batman, and the word came out is that we were going to get the dark, gritty Batman, because the comics had, had evolved at this point. The comics, up through the 70s, we started getting people like uh, Neil Adams, who would more be known with uh, characters like Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Uh, but we would start getting things happening in the comics where they would do stories that were not approved by the comics code. Uh, yeah. Green, Green Lantern, Green Arrow had, I think, a three-issue series that dealt with drug use, which mm -hmm. was definitely not going to get oh, the there was, you were never supposed to even mention drugs. But they still released them. And uh, also, what happened in 1986? 
What did happen in 1986? Would you tell our audience, Max? <laughs> I will. Frank Miller yeah. really wrote The Dark Knight Returns. Right, which was which, old Batman, but yeah. as gritty as a Batman as you had seen till that point. It was a ga- In a lot of ways, people say it was a game changer. It cha- it, uh, no, we'd never, I had never seen anything like this. No, at the time. At the time. Yeah, now it's pretty much, you know, de rigueur. But, so for the yeah. comic side of things, one of the big deals was it was a series that was not sold on the newsstands. It was sold in the direct market, um, which means right to comic stores. So it wasn't being seen by Little Billy and Little Janie necessarily yeah. in the corner drugstore. And with because of that, they allowed Miller to do things that they would not necessarily do otherwise. And it, too, was not approved by the comics code. No oh boy, um, was it not. No, and this was a Batman in his, I'm going to guess, near 60s, in his 60s. I'm sure they said it. It's 50, been a long they time. say he's 55. 55. And Gotham City has, quite honestly, gotten worse than it's ever got. Yeah. And, you know, there will be a new Robin, but it's a, it is about as dark and gritty as that character has yet appeared. And so when they decided they wanted to make a movie, they got... Tim Burton, and then Tim Burton was like, yes, I'm going to do a dark and gritty Batman, and that's what we all expected. And to be fair, at the time, mm-hmm. that's what we felt we got. But, well, there's some trivia for the Oh, dear gods. Yeah, I bet is, there is. Hit this us. is shaved down like you would not believe. If you want to go read trivia, please, but this is the stuff I there's highlighted. Books, there's books worth. Budget, $48 million. A few oh. more from the 1966 version. Take... A whopping four hundred eleven million. So wow. take that, Adam West. Gosh, um, I wonder if there was a sequel or three. <laughs> Interesting. We had no votes for this particular one, but we yeah. do have votes yeah. for um, the Michael. Some Keaton. of the others, yeah. A totally different film almost happened when Warner Brothers couldn't get Jack Nicholson to say a definite yes. They said they'd give the part to Robin Williams instead. Williams oh, wow. would have played it. But it was just he was just being used as bait to get Jack to say yes, which he oh. eventually did. Because of that incident, not only would Williams refuse to play the Riddler in Batman Forever, he wouldn't work for the WB until they apologized. Oh. Don't know if they ever did. Speaking of Jack, it must be nice, that's all I can say. Savvy mm. actor, he got points in the film, and because of its huge take, uh, his wallet bulged with over $60 million in take-home pay. Yikes! Not just for that reason, this was one of Jack's favorite roles. (laughs) Besides not being able to move his head, Michael Keaton couldn't hear a thing in the Batman cowl, and as such, used that to his advantage, turning the character inward. Or, so he says. Worldwide, this movie came second in earnings only to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wow. Billy D. Williams would return as Harvey Dent to face, as his contract for this movie stipulated, but not until the Lego Batman movie. (laughs) Yeah, which was about 30 years later. Yeah, Yeah, and we'll get that. I'm pretty sure I put the same piece of trivia when I get to Lego Batman. Did this film have what it takes? Apparently, the director didn't think so. Quoted at the time, Tim Burton had this to say, quote, I liked parts of it, but the whole movie is mainly boring to me. It's okay, but it was more of a cultural phenomenon than a great movie, end quote. Well, there you go. Contrary to popular belief, the cartoonist who hands Alex Knox the sketch of Batman is not one of his creators, Bob Kane, though the sketch oh. is drawn and signed by him. He was supposed to be in the film, but he actually was sick at that point, and they couldn't get him at the time. Oh. Michael Keaton, and this will shock you, was not a popular choice. No. 
50,000 fans wrote in to protest, and even one of the comic's creators, Bob Kane, had reservations. I can't think why. Hi, what you mean Mr. Mom is going to play Batman? Okay. Yeah, and we're going to get to him, I'm sure. Yeah. Much more like the original 40s Batman, this movie had a body count of 57. I didn't know I didn't know they could count that specifically, but I believe it. They did. And really a ton more, but there's a few other movies in this little grouping, so we're going to move on to the plot. It's Batman as you've never seen him before. Dark, gritty, realistic. No, really. Uh, we see the Batman rise as a new thug in town, calling himself the Joker, goes on a mad rampage. But did Batman make the Joker, or did the Joker make Batman? And what about Bruce Wayne's new hot date, Vicky Vale? Will she find out the truth of this dark Avenger? Spoiler, there's no way she couldn't. Or will she just be led into the Batcave by Alfred? The worst is yet to come. The film... Yeah, 1989. So, Max, um, I want to go back. We do this a lot of their movies because it does matter, I think. You saw this when it came out, right? I did. I stood in line. And what did you think? When I saw it, the first time I saw it, I was kind of blown away. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. this!" I I had never seen a superhero movie like this. I'd never seen a Batman. The only Batman movie I knew was the 66. Right. I, I do remember thinking, huh. Batman's kind of short. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, I'd been reading comic books for, I'd read The Dark Knight, and I really loved the image. You know, in that, Batman is this massive, hulking figure, you know, yeah. a slab of muscle and power. And Michael Keaton, for all his skill as an actor, and he, we've seen him do some really good stuff, he's not that physically imposing. He's Especially back then, he was kind of skinny, he was already losing his hair. Uh, I remember when he had the suit on, it was like, well, first off, that could be anybody. Mm. And when he had the suit off, I was like, I don't think that's Batman. Or Bruce Wayne. Or Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I, I thought, I liked Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Jack Nicholson looks like he's having, looked like he was having a great time. He is giving Although, it his all. <laughs> he, he, he really throws himself into it. But honestly, I thought Jack Palance was scarier. <laughs> I thought Jack Palance should have been the main, main uh, villain because, my God, that guy can just menace anybody off the screen. I just said Jack Palance is kind of great, and he really is. He's just, he's not in the movie very long. He pays, plays Boss Grissom, who is technically Jack uh, Napier's, who becomes the Joker, Jack Napier's boss. And Jack Napier is getting a little on the side, and it turns out it's actually Boss Grissom's girlfriend, played by Jerry Hall, in a role that you will not remember. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is most of Jerry Hall's role. Uh, Ouch. Sorry. Um, yeah, the star of this film, let's face it, is Jack Nicholson. Yeah. He's having an absolute ball. He's throwing himself into it. Apparently, I did not know this, but one of his favorite comic book characters was the Joker. He did mm. read them as a kid. Um, but the, but and, and to Tim Burton's credit, he was basically scrubbing every visual moving visual representation we had seen of Batman to this point and starting over from frame one. Mm. Um, he got a very new interesting person to do 
the soundtrack. Um, somebody we hadn't seen before, at least not in this capacity, right? Because mm. uh, this is probably his biggest theme. That's Danny Elfman, who you know basically was grafted to Tim Burton at the hip for a long time. And for, you know, I did my first note for when Max and I rewatched this was calm down soundtrack. You know, because they start <laughs> off, it is hammering it's, at you. It is elf mania. You dig? This is serious, Danny Elfman all over. It's Danny Elfman is kind of the. Uh, Oh, Albert Glasser of the <laughs> 80s and 90s in that he is the man who holds you down and pummels you with music. Yeah, although his, I would say that his soundtrack for uh, Beetlejuice was was almost as iconic. But this is the kind oh. of music that when he came up with the Batman theme, it's like, oh, we can't just use this here. We're going to keep using this. Oh, yeah, they use it in the animated series. It yeah. sticks around. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, one of the other things we also get, and I admittedly I would not have seen this coming, is Prince. Because <laughs> when yeah. I think Batman, I think Prince. Prince does the soundtrack for this. There's a several, uh, at least one or two original Prince songs written just for this movie. Yeah. And it, it's odd. Honestly, I think his one, uh, when they're in the art museum, really fits. Yeah. I'm not so sure about anywhere else in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that when this film was coming out, it was, a, as I said, I worked in a comic store. Everybody was talking it about it. It was a this sensation. All yeah. they were going to talk about. And I think at this point, across the hall from us was a movie poster store that also mm. got scripts. And somebody got a leaked script of the film. And so we were reading it ahead of time because we couldn't we couldn't stand it. We were so excited. And I, was even, I wasn't even a big Batman fan. But I was just like, oh, my God, we got a hold of the script. Mm. And the script felt like it was going to be this dark, gritty Batman. And we really expected that that's what it was. And at the time, because we'd just had Adam West and not really anything else, it's Super Friends, okay. Yeah. Um, this felt like the adult Batman. Now, I'm sure, Max, you've seen this since 1989. I've seen yes. it here and there. But we did sit down and rewatch this. Yep. And I'm sure we all have a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my first was... No one's afraid of Batman. Seriously. Nobody's yeah. afraid of Batman. He's surprisingly unmenacing. Even the big line, his big open delivery, when he's beating up those two thugs on the rooftops and he lifts one up and the guy screams, What are you? I'm Batman. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm pleased to meet you. <laughs> I actually learned I'm how Batman. to say that. Fred Batman. <laughs> I learned how to say that exchange in French because I thought it would be funny. Qui êtes-vous? Je suis le Batman. See, that's actually more menacing. Now, this jumps ahead when Christian Bale does it and Batman begins. It's like, I remember when I watched that scene, I'm like, that's how you say it. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so, I assume he's trying to do quiet menace, but it just comes out flat. It's like, yeah. I'm Batman. Joe, I'm Batman, Batman, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of crossing the deepers, and, if you will. Yeah. And that, um, and the costume, I remember watching it and thinking, is that really practical that he has a cowl where to look up he has to actually bend backwards? Yeah. And he can't turn side to side at all. At, he can't turn his head. I like the look. Yeah. It was just incredibly impractical. Uh, the Batmobile, I thought, looks very cool. Yeah. Again, I, I, for my money, it does not beat the one from no. 1966. It also um, looks, because it's so long, yeah. like how the hell do you drive that in a city? 
Well, and there's actually a part in the script that they couldn't really do because, and they did this on Mythbusters, actually, where the idea was you couldn't corner at 90 miles an hour, especially in that car. Mm -hmm. So it had this little grappling hook shoot out, grab a fire hydrant, and then it would go around the corner. It was supposed to happen at 90 miles an hour. I think it happened at 30. (laughs) Even then... It was a problem for the actual car because yeah, it just was yeah. not meant to do that. Um, and spoiler, the folks at Mythbusters proved, yeah, you would snap the cable every time. Every yeah, time. Yeah. Well, the, the Batman's bat cables are magic. You know, they're basically made of, you know, super hardium or ultra strongium because they can also lift two people without well, snapping. Unless you lie about your weight. <laughs> yeah, but the cable didn't snap. That's true. That's true. It was the, the motor and the grappling gun uh, couldn't handle it. Yeah, again, uh, I, I do want to talk about the performances. Yes, let's, let's do that. that. You know, Michael Keaton tries. Oddly enough, there is one scene where he almost gets interesting, and honestly, it's when he's turning into Beetlejuice. <laughs> almost gets interesting. He he does. Most of the yeah. time, he's really dull. And it's when he's confronting Jack Napier. He's confronting the Joker in Vicky Vale's apartment, and he's like, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get in for a second. He's oh, wow, that could have been really interesting if he had shown Batman had this barely leashed rage in him. Yeah. That's the only time we see it, and it's there and it's gone. And what's really weird is that they will choose Michael Keaton for another part in a superhero film decades later, yeah. at which he excels. He and that's when he plays the it. vulture yeah. in the Spider-Man Spy- film. And yep. boy, I was afraid of him there. He was really scary. He was wonderfully menacing, but not, again, he didn't have to do the Batman, I'm huge thing. Which he it was just the well, actually, intensity. He looks bigger in that than he does in yeah. this. Yeah, and he looked, but he, it was the intensity and honestly, yeah. he looks better with less hair. I, I I never understood the choice of Michael Keaton. I do know some people who really like Michael Keaton's Batman, and that's fine. But to me, just the history of the character, what he's supposed to represent, the fact that he's literally supposed to scare people, I don't see it here. And there's like the char- the first characters we see, uh, don't leave home without it. Those two, they're actually gibbering at the end. They have to be taken away to the funny yeah. farm because they're so scared of the bat. And I'm like... Well, I'm glad you told us that because otherwise I'd think he just had a stroke or something. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's not frightening. I don't, I don't get that. The two Jacks uh, are great. Uh, Jack Pounce and, and yep. Jack Nicholson are pair of Jacks. They're they're wonderful, and I, they wish they'd had more scenes together because they're so much fun. Yeah, yeah, you, I'm a number one guy. Apparently, that was ad libbed. Good for you, Jack Nicholson. Um, that worked great. The guy who's playing Harvey Bullock, who's not Harvey Bullock, no, um, but he's would visually become Harvey Bullock. <laughs> I think he does a really good job. His voice yep. is a little low to hear, but he plays his part really well. It's tiny. Yep. Um, the guy playing uh, Alexander Knox is Robert Wool. Yeah, who, he's who fine. can he can he's fine. He was good in Bull Durham. He's a stand-up. Yeah, he used to have a show called Arliss. He can be funny, but he's forgettable. Yeah, and I'm sorry that Kim Basinger as yet. Yeah, I'm a hard hitting photojournalist. No, you're not. <laughs> sure, you are. Do yeah. you even own a camera? And she spends an awful lot of this movie fainting. Yeah, and her hair changes texture a lot, which is yep. weird. Like yep. now it's curly, now it's straight, now it's curly, now it's straight. Um, it's to be. Let's be fair to her. I don't know that much about her as an actor. It's not a very good part. No, she's a damsel really in not. distress. 
She's yeah, she and, she but, figures out it's Batman. No, she doesn't. Alfred literally opens up the clock, and there it is. But um, to be fair, Vicki Vale was not an interesting character in the comic book. She was basically a blonde Lois Lane without Lois's uh, gumption. Yeah, it was. She was just a clone. Um, who else is in this film? Not much of anybody. Well, we Michael, Billy D. Michael Williams Scott. for five seconds. Yep, Billy D. Williams is like, oh wow, this looks cool. Oh, and he's gone. He gets three yeah. lines, and he's done. Michael Goff is pretty good as Alfred. He's he's of that. I'm going to guess. I don't know this because I don't know his other parts. Apparently, he's well known for horror films. I was like, really? Huh. But huh. he's of that generation of British actor that even when they're slumming, they're just going to be good because of their training and their yeah. background. He doesn't have a lot to do, but what he does, he brings a a very different dimension to Alfred. Yeah, um, he brings the lot- movie class. Well, that, but he also, he's obviously a lot more relied upon than um, Alan Napier was back in 1966. That that's that has nothing to do with Alan Napier. Alan Napier, which kills me, was like 6'5". He was gigantic, mm. and of course, you know, he had to sort of hunch over all the time because <laughs> So he wouldn't West tower wasn't. over the others, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the biggest characters in this film, which I we all loved at the time, and I'm going to say doesn't really hold up, is the architecture. Um, that is one interesting city. It's basically like a bunch of giants wandered into a, uh, a an urban landscape, would pick up buildings or bridges or stuff, and then the sun came up and they turned to stone. It's really cool. It doesn't make any sense. No, logically, it doesn't work architecturally. It does look awesome. It's yeah. very gothic, very sort of this weird combination of gothic and, I don't know, Art Nouveau or Art Deco. It's deco. Um, yeah. It's get it gothic, gotham. Yeah, get, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, my note on Keaton was uh, he just doesn't fit the Johnny Bravo suit. It, it <laughs> didn't really fit right in the shoulders. Um, that's a deep. But it's sorry. not his movie. It's, it's it's Nicholson's. The Joker is just I, even the things. I'm the world's first fully functional homicidal artist. Yeah. It's like that's really good. That's really clever. Now, so I, I did a little bit of, of research for this because it was this is the movie I had to do. And Tim Burton had never read a Batman comic. When he did, mm. he went back to the old stuff. Oh. And when I reread some of the earliest, like Batman or Detective 27, Batman 1 and stuff, it's like, you know what? On that level, this film actually does feel like Batman. It feels a lot like the 30, except for the lack of shooting. Uh, <laughs> although Batman does kill people. Doesn't yeah, and all, all of these '80s, '90s films. There's, there's even. We'll get to this later. There's later one point where he shoves a bomb down got some guy's pants. Um, but in a way, this is doing what they asked Tim Burton to do: take this iconic character back to his origins and depict him the way he should be. Except he didn't read the current stuff with dark, yeah. dark and gritty. Although at the time, again, we all felt it was. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, more adult it, and it stuff. Was certainly more than yeah, because this was the first vision of Batman on the screen, uh, on, on the movie screen we'd seen since '66. Yeah, um, but we get this weird plot where Joker's come up with Smilex, and it's <laughs> uh, it causes people to start laughing, grin uncontrollably, and then pitch over backwards. Which is from the comic book. He had a toxin that did that. Which is fine. Which is totally fine. I actually yeah. even think the way he goes about it was really interesting, although they don't spend a lot of time on it. It's a multi-part formula. Yeah. So depending on which beauty products you use, you might mix In them together. In combination, yeah. But strangely, this assumes that all of the personal hygiene products for Gotham City are made in Gotham yeah. City. Yeah. Uh, so Gotham made. Yeah, so, okay, sure. Um, I, I've come back to this before, but 
if if he had been the right age, somebody I would have liked, maybe not for this movie, but for Batman, would have been a vintage era Gabriel Byrne. Dear mm. God, does that man have intensity and the gravitas? He could put he could have done the Nolan Batmans again, although he's too old for it. Um, this Batman wants to give up his secret ID really quickly. Yeah, um, he, had, he had, like there's literally like the first dinner. He goes over to 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 uh, after the first dinner. He goes to Vicky Vale's apartment and you see him going, "I'm Batman, I'm Batman." I'm I trying. He's trying Batman. to tell her and he can't. Yeah. And then Joker shows up and yeah. Um, there's also some shots in this film that are just like really groan-inducing. He's in this thing called the Bat Wing, which of course uh, has to be shaped like the Bat symbol because otherwise, whatever. And there's one point uh, where it flies up flies a, in front of the moon. Yep. <laughs> and it like, forms whatever. the Bat logo. It's like, oh, really. And, and boy, does this Batman like to pose. Yeah. He does well, that a lot. A lot of the stand, you know, Kirby pose, fists at your sides. Billow, billow. Billow, billow, yeah. And before we get anything, yes, we know that Kirby was not an artist on Batman. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I do also, things get, as the film gets on, the film gets goofier. There's later in that Batwing, Joker brings down Batman. Yeah, with a pistol. With a pistol. Yeah. Okay. That okay. always bo- that bothered me a lot. When, and then there's Gotham that. Cathedral, which basically literally couldn't exist because it's too tall and narrow. And yeah, it'd fall over. Yeah, and it was just a a legality waiting to happen. Uh, at the time, though, I like you. I loved it. I yeah, like, this is a, great. Um, knocked me out. I actually got worried because they were selling rubber Batman outfits, and I kept telling customers, "Is like, how long is going to be before people start fishing Batman out of the river?" <laughs> Seriously, or just finding people lying on the on the sidewalk in the summer, dead of heat prostration. Yeah, um, I do have one thing I'd like to ask you about uh, Jack Nicholson and the Joker. Do you think his prosthetics work? Almost. I think uh, the the cheek things that are supposed to make the permanent smile, uh, they they look a little fake. Yeah, uh, I think other, the makeup I thought worked well, but the prosthetics. Again, talk about an iconic sequence is when he's taking the bandages off. And he's doing the right. gesture, "Give me the mirror." Yeah, that's that nail. But yeah, they look odd. Yeah, and I don't think they're necessary. Jack Nicholson has a very mobile face, and honestly, his smile is creepy enough without <laughs> the prosthetics. Yeah. I think it yeah. was unnecessary. It's like Willem Dafoe as the uh, yeah, goblin. Yeah, scarier without green the goblin. green goblin mask. Yeah. yeah, I you know, so very quickly we have three more in this series. Yeah. I think at the time it did exactly what it needed to do. Batmania was bigger than ever. Oh, yeah. But I think in general, if you look back, I don't think it retains any of that dark and grittiness. It actually comes off as kind of goofy. They just get sillier and sillier. Yeah. Speaking got, of which. Yeah. Next up, Batman Returns. Yeah. And we have two poll question answers for this one. Poll question. Dr. Rebecca Pelkey chose Keaton's Batman, specifically this movie, in her comments. Quote, I've always been partial to Michael Keaton, though I haven't seen the newest iteration yet. It came out when I was in high school, and I felt, at the time, it was dark and loud and colorful and subversive even, in ways I hadn't yet encountered. And a little bit silly, too. Plus that cast, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny Uh. DeVito, Christopher Walken, Cool Beans. Thanks, Becca. I agree. Mm. A second voice, this one from up north, belongs to Vince, our snowy cousin from Canada. Not really a cousin. Good day. He, he posted this on the website, quote, For films, I have to say my favorite is Batman Returns. I don't love Keaton's Batman, but Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer really stand out for me, as well as the bat, um, beep, 
pun intended, storyline. Uh, the uh, idea that anyone who would dress up in a costume or to fight or perform crimes must have it some must have some sort of mental illness to pull it off worked for me and put Batman in the same box as those he was fighting against. Hmm. One of Burton's out there films that I think worked as a more twisted comedy than anything else. End quote. Thanks for that, Vince, and you can take extra bucks for using the site. Yep. Trivia. The facts. Budget. Well, this would take a true detective to figure out, but somewhere <laughs> between 65 and 80 million. That's, mm. uh, hmm. Take. Well, it's still good, but it's only 267 million. Uh, still so technically a success. Not nearly the pull of number one, the number one yeah. film in this series. Whatever you do, make sure the penguins are happy. They did use real penguins, though the only readily available birds went to England. They not only flew the birds over in a refrigerated plane, the, First entire, class. the entire set was cooled down to 35 degrees. Oh, they Lord. They were given constant fish and ice as well as a bodyguard. Now, everyone knows penguins are huge divas. Their way of saying thank you? Most of the birds mated during production. <laughs> Eggs were laid when they returned to England. Happy penguins mean happy filmmakers. <laughs> Hey. So there you go. Not only were no animals harmed in the making of the film, new ones were born. You don't see that too often. Yep. Penguin, penguins are a bit smelly, cute, and utterly delicious. Anyway. <laughs> I doubt it. Mm. Uh, Michael Keaton made $11 million for this time out as Batman. So good for him. Yep. Uh, the original posters made for buses and subway terminals, especially the ones featuring Catwoman, were being stolen at such a rate that police officers were often sent to guard them. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Catwoman's cat suits were not only vacuum-formed to Michelle Pfeiffer's body, which often resulted in her getting lightheaded if in them too long, they cost $1,000 apiece. Whoa. 60 were needed for the total shoot. Good lord. This I did not know, actually. Uh, this was texted to me by a non-listener, my partner Tyler. This was the breakout role, somehow, for fan favorite Doug Jones. His part? Oh. Thin Clown. Remember him? Uh, of course oh yeah, do. Thin Clown. Sure, he was that <laughs> That thin guy in the clown suit. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Remember him? He's Not never really. even watched this movie. According to him, he only <laughs> took the part as he needed the money for a real estate deal. And you know what? Good for eh, you, Michael. All right. At least he's honest about it. Why did none of the supporting characters, except Alfred and Commissioner Gordon, appear in this movie? It seems that Tim Burton really, really, really doesn't like to make direct sequels, and as such, characters such as Vicki Vale were left in the cold. Ah. Uh. Believe it or not, at the time of his death, the penguin is supposed to be 33 years old. The signage as, well, you know. And uh, lots yeah. more, but again, we got a lot of bats to cover. Yeah. The plot. Yep. Mm -hmm. Batman returns, again, for the first time. Not one, but two evildoers face our men in black. Man in black. Yeah. Catwoman, the penguin. Yeah, I know, Johnny Cash. <laughs> I fell into a burning bat of fire. <laughs> Catwoman, the penguin, and Max Shrek. Oh, wait, that's three. Well, yeah. we see the origin of Catwoman and the penguin, both of whom hate Batman for stuff and reasons. And Max Shrek is an evil businessman. Together, without a sub, can they defeat the Dark Knight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. C for Catwoman. The film. So, um, I want to get this out of the way real quick. Yeah. Um, there is some really weird 
mythology going on here. Some yeah. really weird. Yeah, there's some very odd echoes. The I, I, you're talking about the opening with the penguin, right? The dark yeah. Moses thing. Not least of which is that apparently the penguin's father is Pee Wee Herman, but yeah, never mind. Yeah, that that's pretty weird. But um, yeah, Max, do you want to talk about this? Because okay, uh, I remember somebody writing an article for the New Yorker. No, sorry, the New York Times. It turned out to be was like the ed, the niece the niece of one of the editors, saying how the entire movie is anti-Semitic. Okay. I don't really buy that. Uh, now the opening is, you know, the penguin is born and he's hideous, and the parents, because apparently they, they want to, we don't know why, stuff and reasons, they abandon him by throwing his basket into the river, a la Moses, right. and it drifts down among the reeds. But instead of being found by Pharaoh's wife, is found by the next best best thing, some penguins. <laughs> because of which course is clearly. The the river in Gotham City runs directly into the sewers and then into the yeah. zoo, <laughs> which is you know the way like you do like they all do and of course you know uh, in in literary history penguins are often allegory for Egyptians. Um, it, I have a degree in English. I t- you have to agree with me. Um, <laughs> I might go as so far to say as that the ancient Egyptians didn't even know penguins existed. I, I would think they didn't, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very odd bit. Well, now, here's the thing, is I actually felt that same way. I felt that the Moses reference, for one thing, it doesn't even make any sense. Because, of course, Moses would eventually become a hero of his people and a leader of his people. Well, he became a hero (laughs) of the penguins and a leader of the penguins. So, let my penguins go! (laughs) Yes, that famous Jew, Charlton Heston. Penguin, penguin, penguin. Well, and also, okay, so, I'm not Jewish. I see the Moses thing, and it, it's, it is a large hammer falling on the audience's head. And, of course, one of the things they decide to do, which they have done before, to be fair, is to magnify certain facial characteristics of the character. Well, he does have a very big nose. Your nose could be three fingers across your face. Shut up. Okay. He's got hands like flippers, and this is an actual medical condition. And good yep, thing he showed up. Like good thing he didn't show up at the tiger pit, right? Yeah, Instead of his, seriously, right? it's it's like, like, ooh, hey, you're not snack. One of us. <laughs> yeah. So he just happens to look like a penguin, and that's why his parents dump him in the river, and then he ends up with the penguins. Whatever. Yeah. Um, it's very weird. It doesn't make any sense. I, I. It's not for me to say. I guess because I'm not Jewish. To me, it feels like they're trying to make very stereotypical, annoying dumb stere- uh, Jewish commentary here. Uh, just not they about the people, just about the looks. Yeah, they might right? have been. And I don't see the point of it because it doesn't have anything to do with the character. Yeah. And then we get Danny DeVito, who is... I, I, actually, here's a question for you. In the yeah. confines of the script, do you think Danny DeVito's doing a good job? Yeah, I think he is. I, he's an, He, again, is throwing... He's leaving it all out on the field. He is just throwing himself into it I just think it's a very odd interpretation of the character. Yeah. The whole thing with the penguin from the beginning was he was basically an aristocrat. Right. He was he was from a rich family, but he and he his whole thing was a veneer of respectability. Yes, sir, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, <laughs> Lord Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Who has no lines? No, he has no lines. He does, by the way, show up in uh, whatever that was, Gotham that TV show that was on a few years ago, uh, playing the Penguin's father. Oh, yeah. there you go. 
Uh, he ends up hating the people of, you know, above, which is understandable Everybody. if you grew up literally in the sewer with the penguins, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, like you do. Yeah, sure. Um, penguins well known for living in sewers. But the character's disgusting. Yeah, he's like, gross. There is nothing about the character that is in any way appealing. And he decides to start taking on the wealthy of Gotham City because they're the worst offenders as far as he's concerned. And, of course, maybe he remembers his parents. He seems to not know who his parents were, which is a plot point. We don't, we don't know if that's true or not, yeah. But he hates Max Shrek, a character made just for the film. And, boy, what a great name because that well, name well, is... Well, you know where that name is. That's a tribute. Is it? Max, Max Shrek was the German actor who for, played the very first vampire. He played oh, Count right, Orlock right, in right, Shadow right. of the Vampire. But which still has absolutely no bearing on this film. Um, nope. We have um, Christopher Walken playing Max Shrek. And I didn't look up his name, but the guy who's playing Chip, oh. his son, I believe <laughs> yeah. was Butterfinger it was. in Hudson Hawk. I looked him up. He doesn't have many lines, but he is totally doing Christopher Walken when he talks, and it's hilarious. Yep. Uh, Dad, what's the problem? Why are you talking like that, son? What do you mean? Do How I talk I... <laughs> like that? I never noticed. He does. And Walken... I gotta say, I think it's a waste of Christopher Walken. Well, he has nothing to do. He Christopher Walken is at his best when he gets to be crazy, when he gets to go over the top and just show that terrifying rage in him, or if he's going to do comedy, or if he's going to dance. He yeah. really can dance. He doesn't get to do anything. It's like, wah I am stealing electricity and making the thing and doing the thing and ha 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 twirl well, twirl. No one so, will find. He has this plan to to build this giant electricity generating plant in Gotham. Of course, getting funded by Gotham City to do it. And everyone who looks at this kept, keeps going. Um, we have an energy surplus. Why do we need this? It's like, yeah. no, no, you don't understand. I'm <laughs> looking to the future, and it's like, okay. And then Bruce Wayne shows up and says, "What's with this thing you're doing?" It's like, it is for the future, Bruce. I thought you of all people would know. <laughs> And every, basically, his plan makes sense to nobody but himself. Yeah. And what he's going to do is eventually suck power out of the system and then sell it back at a higher price. But yeah, yeah. And so his plan gets derailed by the penguin who shows up and is basically trying to threaten him and his family and everybody. And he basically says, oh, no, I have an idea. I'm going to make you mayor <laughs> because you're so <laughs> like, charismatic. <laughs> and that, the sad thing is... And I didn't remember this at the time. It's a plot right out of the 1966 Batman show because there is a couple of. Oh, shows and where Penguin Pe runs for mayor. That's, <laughs> that's right. Vote Penguin. Yeah. And so oh. he decides to make play it up as a sob story. They, they fudge this whole thing where this explosion is happening and the Penguin saves the mayor's son. And now everyone loves the penguin, except you sit there and every time anybody's dealing with the penguin and they're like, oh, you're so wonderful and blah, blah, blah. And then he like spits up this black gunk or, yeah, or he says bites someone's horrible. nose off. Or... Yeah. And they're just like, oh, well, he just he's just like that. We still love him. And it's like, you don't believe it. There's oh, no God. Don't you understand? This guy. He's Donald Trump. <laughs> he a... is. He's a proto Donald Trump. I <sighs> think Trump looked at that and said, you know, this is a great idea. It's going to be huge. Well, he does have the little hands. Yeah, he um, does have the tiny little <laughs> flipper hands. So, yeah, I think Danny DeVito is doing a good job with what is very obviously a weird part. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't get the penguin. I don't get his depiction. I don't get... I mean, they just... They really it's go out of the It's a strange choice. Gross. It really is. But we also have, yeah, we have a new Catwoman. Cat yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Yes, we do. I checked. That's how you pronounce your name. It is not. (laughs) Also, just real quick, one of my favorite character actors, Vincent Chiavelli, is in this. I love anything Vincent Chiavelli. Vincent Chiavelli rules. He's been in literally everything. Yeah. But we have uh, Catwoman. Um, and we have an origin of Catwoman. Finally, they've explained right down to the last detail how mm-hmm. one becomes Catwoman. I'll, I'll let you know in case you haven't oh, seen the film. Yeah, yeah. You become Catwoman by being pushed mm-hmm. out a window, hitting the yep. ground, dying, and then a bunch of cats come around and meow at you. That brings you back to life. Uh, yeah, and you're a uh, cat now. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. you got to give this movie credit over the monstrosity that was the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. I didn't see she it. doesn't come back with superpowers. No, you know, she's just she was an athlete before. She knew martial arts, and now she's just you know crazy. Well, she was a secretary. Yeah, but she was also an athlete. She like talks about beating some guy at tennis. Yeah, but she's she's that. It's Michelle Pfeiffer with her hair slightly mussed up in glasses. So she's yeah, the I ugly know. girl, right? It, yeah, it is. As they say, Hol- as Dorothy Parker said, uh, Hollywood's idea of an ugly girl is a beautiful girl with glasses. Yeah, and that's about it. Um, yeah. So then she turns into Catwoman, who is obviously not all right in the head, which is fine because she fell 20 stories to her death. <laughs> but we don't know anything about her motivation other than a vague revenge. She's fantasy. angry at the world. She's pissed at the world, and she's going to take it out on anybody. Yeah. And she's she also she wants revenge on Max Shrek because well, you know he kind of he kind of murdered her. Only kind of. <laughs> directly actually yeah, pushing her yeah. out the window. Um, I don't get, otherwise I don't get her really as a character at all. It has nothing to do with my, actually I actually think Michelle's, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance, or is that, or performance? <laughs> I think it's Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think her performance is actually really interesting. I like that level of, I don't quite know what the heck is going on. I don't like the, I'm magical and you can kill me seven times and I'm fine. Because that's... that's <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, the way she portrays it, that's sort of like she's ne- she's completely lost her mental balance yeah. and has no idea how to get it back, and she is, in effect, just reacting. Well, and she's got this really interesting, not only manicness to her, but this frailty, and it's a really cool dichotomy that I have not seen in this character before or since. Um, and I, I actually really did like her performance of anybody's in this film. Um, and there's a lot of people. There's not enough scenery for all the people in this film. Yeah, there are. Yeah, <laughs> that no piece of scenery goes unchewed. Yeah, except for Michael Keaton, who's yeah, um, who's oh, doing the right, same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so there's, and you know, you, they do something that basically I wish Hollywood stop, would stop doing, and that's pretending it's winter, because there's nothing that looks more like fake snow than fake snow. Yeah. Um, Batman in this film sets someone on fire. <laughs> yes, he does. Dumps um, a bomb down somebody's pants. Yeah, it's just, this is not, uh, there's no code against killing Batman. No, there is not no, at all. I mean, hell, in, in the last one, in the, in the first Batman, he sends the Batmobile in to blow up a chemical plant where we see there are a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, we have the Red Triangle Gang, who also has no motivation and actually feels more like a dance troupe than anything yeah. else. Um, we have way too many villains. There's just too much going on. There's too much. There's the evil circus. Um, and to give you an idea of the depth of the Penguin, and please excuse me for saying this, mm. when he meets up with Catwoman, his line is, and I quote, Ah, just the pussy I've been looking for. Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh. The gadgets are even more out there than they were in the first film. Um, it has a James Bond ending, 
with no real depth, with all these this giant set blowing up. Yeah, it, honestly, hmm? it commits one of the biggest sins of an action film. It's dull. It is. A lot of it is really dull. I lo- the scenes with Batman and Catwoman are cool. Penguin doesn't really do much. I well, mean, he menaces with Selina and Bruce. Yeah, because they are very different when those two are, are those pairs are different. And mm-hmm. I liked that. Like she changes a, vi- a lot. Oh, uh, and Michael Keaton's there. Uh, she yeah. changes a lot whether she's got the mask on or not. Yeah. And so I think she's really trying with what is otherwise a not very good part. Um, do you remember? You saw, I'm sure, when it came out. Yeah. Do you remember your feelings at the time? I thought it was a mess. Yeah. I mean, I really, I like Danny DeVito. I like Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know what Christopher Walken was doing there. I remember thinking that was a real waste of Christopher Walken. Even then, I thought that, mm. and I thought, well, Batman's getting less interesting. How did they manage that? Yeah, and it can be hard because the hero is often the more boring of the two characters, and the yeah. villains get to have all the fun. Yeah. Um, and Keaton's not having any fun. He's having a nice real estate deal. That's what he's having. I, I remember also thinking, why did they have to bring in two villains? Yeah, a question three. I would be asking over and over again. <laughs> three, really. And three, invent true. one of those. True, true. Um, I don't remember liking it much either. I never liked the penguin. He did, He was just gross. I didn't see the, yeah. the point of him. Um, I don't know why anybody's following him. Even the penguins, who inexplicably give him a funeral at sea. A, a, yes, a penguin <laughs> a Viking. <laughs> yes, and also are willing, he's willing to sacrifice them in suicide penguin runs. Yeah. Um, that just was obse- absurd. And I it just went beyond goofy into just, oh, come on! Yeah. A little grunkle stand there. Yeah. I... I don't think this film in any way really reflects its times. Not I don't really. Remember the 90s it certainly film. doesn't reflect. It doesn't reflect the comic book at all. It doesn't even re- reflect the old sensibilities of the comic book. No, oh, and, and Batman, we do so little with him in this film. He's you know in the title, <laughs> but that's kind of about it. We're not exploring anything with Batman. Um, it's just like here's let's throw some more villains on the screen and see what happens. And of course, you give Christopher Walken. He doesn't get to play a named villain, really. Like, I would rather have seen him as the Riddler. Oops, spoiler. <laughs> um, than than we see later on. But yeah, you're right. He's wasted. So yeah, a lot of talent, not a lot of results. Yep. And I'm gonna put that squarely on the shoulders of Tim Burton. I think so. Mike again, just breaking in on Mike and Max. That wasn't weird. We have to cut things short because this episode will go on for two more episodes so tune in next week for the next part the third part of episode 200 of max mike movies this has been a co-production of the voice of max and the movie wrench (laughs) 